We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome to WTIC's Pet Talk. Today, Drs. Andrea Dennis and Eva Saranovich take your pet health questions. This is a show for you and your best friend. Call in now at 522-WTIC, 1-800-966-WTIC. And now, Pet Talk. Good afternoon and welcome to the veterinary edition of Pet Talk. I'm Dr. Andrea Dennis. I'm from the Bloomfield Animal Hospital. And for well over a decade now, we spend every other Saturday here with you on the air minus the year and a half that we were off the air because of COVID restrictions. But uh, we're back now. And as you know, many of you, that there is a rotating schedule between um, the veterinary portion where we answer all your medical questions as well as there is a behavior um, slash pet training session with Lori Fast. Then we alternate every other week. So we are live. We are um, opening up our phone lines right at this moment. Anthony, our producer, is is standing by to take your calls. And we appreciate you your participation in this show. I have um, information to share usually at the top of the show, but there, the, the way this show runs is by your questions and your uh, participation and your sharing of, of knowledge. Some of the situations you have been in with your pets is very helpful to others. And I hear that all the time, not only from my clients, but people that kind of um, kind of recognize where that you're on the air and or ask a question in the grocery store sometimes. So this is all about you. So please give us a phone call at one 800 966-9842 or 860-522-9842. And I always find that if people call in early, we get you on the air, we get your question answered. And uh, so the phone lines are open. I know today is absolutely a gorgeous day. Some of you may be outside reading while you're listening to us. I also feel that we've got um, lots of information to share I know it feels like uh, every time we listen to the news or we look at our phones or we look on, on television, we are discussing COVID. And when March 2020 first occurred, and um, obviously we were shut down here in terms of coming into the studio to share your questions, there was um, I had quite a few calls from radio stations that I was doing things over the air and television asking, what about my pet and COVID? And that kind of reminded me that I really haven't had an opportunity to sort of um, educate the pet owner uh, population about where we stand with COVID and our pets. And the reason why this came up is because of the fact that uh, this past week, it was in the news that two snow leopards at the San Diego Zoo actually tested positive for covid and this was after they were showing signs of coughing, upper respiratory symptoms. Um, it's my understanding that they're improving and they're doing well, but they did test positive. And back in April um, 2020, so um, several months ago, there was at the 
locally here, more closer to home here in New York at the Bronx Zoo, I remember then we had some reports that had taken place. Um, there was a, a, a tiger that had tested positive, and then soon after that, the week later, there were three others. There were some African lions that tested positive. They all have recovered, um, but there was something that we were learning. I mean, we know so much more now than we did a year and a half ago, but these feline species seem to be more susceptible. Uh, they tend to recover and they tend to do well. But then you kind of say, well, if cats, big cats can get this, what about my pets? And I'm talking more specifically about dogs and cats. And we have to remember that COVID-19 is a coronavirus. That's the family of viruses that it's in. Veterinarians have dealt with coronavirus in dogs and cats in many other, over the years, and many other um, sort of symptoms that occur. We do have a coronavirus that causes diarrhea. Uh, uh, baby calves or calves um, are more susceptible to that, but dogs can get coronavirus. We see coronavirus in cats, but again, we're not seeing active cases of COVID-19, this very specific coronavirus, because again, that's where you want to be just be very careful about that. So people ask, can my pet be affected by COVID-19? And rarely, um, we've seen people can infect dogs and cats with the virus, um, but it has been extremely rare. And I would say they don't appear to be sick. There has been different levels of testing where sometimes the first test comes back positive, but then when they really sort of get down to the more... um, Um, I guess, sensitive tests, it doesn't appear to be the case. Um, There are many, many illnesses that can cause upper respiratory infection. So because of the fact that your cat or dog may be sneezing or coughing, do not at all assume that this is COVID. So at this time, there's no evidence that any animal or pet can infect a human with the new coronavirus. So just because you have a a cat or dog that seems to have some upper respiratory system symptoms, please do not assume that we're dealing with COVID and do not panic about that because if anything like that occurred, it would be very rare. Now, we do have some guidelines if you're sick with COVID or anyone in your household is sick with COVID. If you've been diagnosed or you really highly suspect that you haven't, you haven't been tested yet, you just want to make sure that you do not interact with your pet as you normally would. That includes walking them. If you if you can avoid that, have someone else come in to exercise your pet. If you're feeding them, try to avoid it or playing with them. And I have had several of my clients, which are the owners of the pets, The pets are my patients, so I have had clients that have come down with COVID, and they'll call and they'll check in, what do I have to be concerned about my dog or cat? And my my advice always has been, do not interact with them. I know you're sick. I know you can't get out of bed. You can't move. And wouldn't you love to have your, you know, 18-pound dog just sitting on your lap and comforting you? But I've asked you not to participate, not to get involved in that area. Because, again, even though we would love them to be close by, there there is a chance, albeit rare, but there is that chance. So if we can just kind of avoid that and, again, seem to get other people to kind of help us out would be ideal. So this time of year, you know, we have um, a lot of people are 
going away or they're going to doggy daycare or sending their pets to doggy daycare. And we're seeing a lot of upper respiratory infections, which we kind of have. It's a whole respiratory syndrome. Some people may call it kennel cough. And because more people are going away and they're leaving their dogs to kennel together, at the Bloomfield Animal Hospitals, we're seeing several more patients that have upper respiratory infections. And quite honestly, I don't even think could they have COVID. I mean, I know it's in the back of my mind, but that's not what I'm assuming they have. I have not yet to have to test any dog or cat for COVID, again, because this is just, and I cannot emphasize that enough. So you say, well, how would I know? And this can almost describe any other upper respiratory infection, but Dogs and cats normally have a cough. They can have difficulty breathing or shortness of breath. They can have a fever, runny nose. Um, some we even have vomiting and diarrhea. But those, there again, I can list 10 other diseases that can also cause this as well. So when you do have your pet is not feeling well or showing any of these kind of symptoms, just obviously you want your veterinarian to check them out, probably prescribe medication, but there is, do not, I would not recommend asking to test for COVID. It's quite involved. It's quite expensive. And there's just, unless they're not getting better, unless they're not feeling better, there's really no reason to do that. So hopefully I've kind of clarified it and kind of, because I'm sure people have been thinking about it. So yes, if you have COVID, try not to interact with your pets until you're feeling better. And at this time, there's no evidence that any animal or pet can infect you with this new COVID-19 virus. So that's just kind of setting the record straight. So I guess, uh, again, we'll open up those phone lines and please give us a call. We're going to take a short break and then it's all about you and what some of the things you're concerned about. We'll be right back with more Pet Talk on WTIC News Talk 1080. Welcome back. You are listening to the Veterinary Edition of Pet Talk. I'm Dr. Andrea Dennis. I'm from the Bloomfield Animal Hospital. And my job here on Saturday afternoons is to answer your questions about your pets. We want to make sure that you keep them as healthy as possible. I'd like to kind of arm you with the capability and with the strength of when you are advocating for your pet, that's your responsibility. When you see your veterinarian, when you make your decisions, whether it's about food or whether you're going to vaccinate for, um, let's say, canine Lyme disease. You know, these are things that you are the final decision makers. And I know most of you, if not all, want to do what you can for our four-legged pet family members. But the more you know, and I think veterinarians appreciate this, the better. And always have, if you have questions, you know, write those down before you go in for your office visit. And as a side note about office visits, veterinarians have had to kind of reconstruct how we examine, how we um, run our offices. I think we have been doing a, without patting myself on the back, but I think veterinarians and the veterinary staff have been incredible. We had no idea how we were going to react to the, the country being closed down. We knew we were considered essential employees. 
But then how do we make sure our pets are taken care of? So most veterinarians instituted something called curbside service. We're still doing that at the Bloomfield Animal Hospital. Um, and everyone in my hospital is vaccinated. We wear a mask inside as we work with each other. We're very, very careful. And um, we have not missed a beat in terms of taking care of your pets. Now, one thing that has change. And one thing that you have to kind of understand and be patient with is that all of this takes a little bit more time. There has been um, an increase in people um, buying pets or adopting pets. We have seen that. So veterinarians are busier than ever. We ask for your patience. We, I think we are still doing providing the best of care still, but just asking for a little bit more patience if we could, because of the fact that we do need you um, to know what we're what's going on, but we will take care of your pets if that's at all possible. So I think we've got a phone call. So I'm going to try to see if I can bring this in myself. Hi, this is Dr. Dennis. How can I help you? Hello. I can't. I guess I can't bring up the, the um, volume on that. Okay, maybe they hang up. Okay, I'll turn that back down. All right. Well, I'm going to have you give us a cry. Uh, give us a call again. Um, Anthony is here ready to help. I, for some reason, I might have the wrong button on. But anyways, um, what I'm saying is if we can just be very, very patient with your with your veterinarians um, and their staff because they are doing an incredible job. All right. So as we wait um, for the phone lines continue to be open, as we wait for... Um, things to settle down. Some of the other things that do not change is that many times you'll see something called food recalls that are occurring. And with the food recalls, we have to make sure that um, you, you most of them are voluntary recalls, if that's um, a possibility. If you There's a couple of foods that I want you to make sure that you are aware of. And that is there's been a recent voluntary recall of Sunshine Mills Foods. And um, it's because of a um, moldy toxin that they are finding and they're seeing elevated levels of this. Some of the brand names that you want to be careful with are Triumph, Evolve, Nature Farms, Elm, and others. And, you know, you would say, well, what happens if there's a food recall? How, what would I know? What would I do? How do I handle it? Most um, pet stores would be taking those foods off their shelves, but if you do have them in your home and you're always going to feel free to call your veterinarian, you just want to not use them. And I tend to always have my antenna up whenever, obviously, because of what I do, because of the fact that um, whenever I do see a food recall. But one of the things that I think are is pretty smart thing for you to have as you everyone is becoming more and more comfortable with their computers is that there is a great issue called um, or a great website with the FDA and it's um, you just go to fda.gov and just look under pet food recall and you will see the different ones you know I'm looking right now and I see there was one in May from Natural Balance and back in April there was some something from uh, Meow Mix there was an issue there so just Every once in a while, just check on it and say, hey, is that one of the foods I'm using? So if you could do that, let's just go ahead and, and make sure we make sure that happens. All right. So I guess, Ellie, you're on the line. So I'm going to see if I can take this call carefully without losing you. 
How are you? Hello. Hi, Ellie. Oh, hi. How are you? We're nice good. To talk to you. I'm glad you got your program back. Thank you. I, really <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question. I adopted a dog in um, from North Carolina in uh, the late of 19, 2019. And we found out after she got ready for shipment here, that she was heavily heart warm infected. Oh no! So she had all her treatment here in Connecticut. She went twice to the vet, went through it, and I just wanted to know what could be the long-term effect on her heart. Yeah. Well, sometimes she comes in. She she's her her um, breathing. She's not very um, active. Right. Right. She, if she she tires very easily, let's put it this way. Yeah. Did they actually take an X-ray of her heart or an echocardiogram of her heart? No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't know if they did or not. All right. They just cleaned. She was there twice overnight. Right. And um, and whatever they had to do, I mean, it cleared her of the uh, the heart the heartworm. Right. But um, I. I wonder what it did to her heart okay. and how long she had it. We don't know how long she had it. We don't. Do they know how old she, they think she is? Is she well, about three? Well, they told me at the beginning, that's why I adopted her. Actually, she was, she would be 13. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, but then she was, um, when she came here, the doctor thinks she's about eight now. Okay. Well, that's, that's a little bit better. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so there's really no way of us telling how long a dog actually has heartworm disease um, and how long these worms live in the heart. And you would think, okay, well, where in the heart? And they actually can live in, in the ventricle, and they also live in something called the, the pulmonary artery, which is like one of the main branches that of um, the, the sort of uh, the, the valves and that comes off of the heart, and that's where they, they live. So the reason I asked if she was x-rayed or had an echocardiogram is that because other than blood being in her heart, she's got these worms, and we have no idea how many. Um, it could be two. It could be 300. You just don't know how many are actually living in there. It can actually um, sort of stretch out the heart muscle, and it can damage the muscle. Uh-huh. Well, she has, she's always very quickly short of breath. Yeah, So, the, but it can also affect the, um, the, the lungs as well. Um, uh-huh. so, so that's the other issue. I think... What I would do is since she's been cleared, like I just finished treating a dog with heartworm disease, um, and then we will test him in six months to to really check if he's fully, if the treatment worked 100%. Uh-huh. But I do think that if there are some damage that has been done to the, to the lungs as well, there may be some medication that you can use to help. Now, did they, when you were going through the treatment, many times I we sort of restrict exercise for six to eight weeks because uh-huh. as these worms are dying, they don't die instantly. They die over time during the treatment. Well, and th- that's what they told me not to have. Well, she, she was also pregnant. Oh, gosh. Ellie. I, I really hit the jackpot. <laughs> yes, you did. I'm sorry. And they all, well, I said, what does it do to the puppies? Well, it has nothing to do with the puppies. It doesn't. But then in the end, of the end, at the very end, she she had nine puppies, and only one survived. Oh my goodness, Ellie, yeah. this is really a nightmare, an yeah, absolute so nightmare. Well, the the 
pup, the young, the little, the only puppy that survived couldn't come with her right away because she was too little. Okay. And she couldn't nurse her, so. Okay. I so know it's. had to feed her, but she came. She was here, so I had both. Okay. All right. And so, well, I think again, and I, I'm going to have to take a um, a news break here and you're ha- I'm happy to put you on hold so we can talk a little bit more about this. But I do, I think it's really a good idea you, you, when you talk with your veterinarian about getting an x-ray and let's see if we can kind of like see what those lungs really look like, Ellie. And then, um, but I'm going to put you on hold and we'll talk a little bit more after the break. You're listening to Pet Talk on WTIC News Talk 1080. Welcome back to the veterinary edition of Pet Talk. As the song says, it is Saturday, and this is where we spend Saturday afternoons from 1 to 2 p.m. You may have noticed there's been a little bit of change in the lineup versus pre-COVID. I used to come on before Law Talk, and now Law Talk is on at 12. But we are here. We're back Um, next week. Lori Fass will be here to answer your pet training questions. But we're so bad to be back in the studio. I want to thank Justin Levine for providing some of these, um, the music, our bumper music. And um, we have, we've enjoyed our stay here. And again, we're very appreciative for being, we're able to come back into the studio. And the, the, the reason why is that we can make a difference. We can help you with your questions. We can make sure that you are armed with the right information before you go to your veterinary um, visit. There's so many of you that newly adopted pets and you're learning. And we have Ellie that's um, held on to the line, which I very much appreciate because um, Ellie has a dog that she adopted. And when she adopted her, she came from the South. She actually had heartworm disease. Ellie, you still with me? Okay. All right. Sure what I'm, uh... Oh, there she is. I have to hit that button twice, I think. Okay, Ellie. Yeah. All right. Thank you. The, the studio is a little bit different. I have to kind of recheck one my um, my buttons here. I was just talking about you and how you were talking on the air about the fact that you did a good thing and you adopted a dog. She was from the South and she actually had heartworm disease uh-huh. and you've gone through the treatment. Um, but before we kind of go on about her specifically, actually, what's her name? Mocha. Mocha. Um, you know, with the thing about, and a lot of people may not realize that the way, how does a dog get heartworm disease? And again, it's a disease that is transmitted by a mosquito bite. Uh, so these mosquitoes are what carries this um, this microfilaria or the babies and goes through a whole life cycle within the mosquito. So one dog cannot give heartworm to another dog by just kind of sniffing each other's nose. It needs to be, the heartworm needs to be in the mosquito. So that's how she caught, Mocha caught this. Well, it's probably, she was in a breeding um, facility, facility yeah. probably outdoors quite a bit. And they were uh, saying um, she was never in a house before, before she came to the right. house, the mother down mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. But she is the sweetest dog. How she ever 
got through it. I mean, she, her temperament and the puppies too, same thing. Right. They're beautiful temperament. I but, mean, but only one puppy survived, right? She was only pregnant. Only one puppy yeah. survived. And she yeah. and you have that dog still? Well, I had her, but because of my age, yeah, I was looking for a home for her. So you found a and, good one. Yeah. Good for I you. Took her, I had her in daycare a couple of days a week to keep her, you know, socialized. Yeah. And she found her, her mom, her new mom found her there and oh, she fell nice. in love with her. Oh, good. And she has a, a most beautiful home. She has a little, um, they have another dog that's eight months her younger than, mm-hmm. than Tessa. Mm-hmm. Her name is Tessa. And uh, they love each other. And Mocha goes to the daycare one once a week. Oh, good. So they meet each other there. And Tessa is crazy about her mom. She oh, loves oh, her that, mom. I, yeah. I'm sorry. It's a great, I mean, the fact that she survived. And again, we were still concerned about um, Mocha has gone through the treatment for heartworm disease. Yeah. Now, there is a monthly preventative that I'm sure the puppy is oh, on, yeah. and Mocha's oh, yeah, on that all. too, right? So, um, and most of the time it's monthly. Um, we use a lot of a product called HeartGuard, which also helps with intestinal worms uh, as well. So, that's there's other products out there as well uh, that exactly. you. Exactly. Now, I probably should have her lungs checked? I would. You know, I, Ellie, I think, again, b- because she's tiring, um, you know, you they, uh, when these heartworm live there, and especially even when they're breaking off, and they're because when they're dying, they kind of break off in pieces, they can cause some inflammatory response in the lungs. So I would, again, I would talk, talk to your veterinarian and say, I know she's, she's eating well, she's acting fine, but she really does not have the energy I would expect her to have. Um, the fact that you, and can we just kind of look and take another look and x-raying her? It's not invasive for mocha and you'll learn quite a bit. Either those lungs are clear or either she needs some medication to help her through that. Right. And it could it part of it could be her age, but I think I think there's if she has not had an X ray and we have we don't really don't know the size of her heart. We don't know if she's got car, you know, cardiomyopathy. We don't know what the lungs are doing. It's just going to give us a piece of the information so that you can make the right medical decisions for her. Um, I mean, heartworm disease, it's, it's, it's serious. And that's why the lesson here for everyone that has a dog is to make sure they get their heartworm preventative every month. I don't care if they're indoors. I don't care if they're two pounds or 200 pounds. That, that mosquito is deadly. And we all know. Mosquitoes can get in the house. So even if you feel your dog or you live in an apartment, you know, I, again, I'll, I'll get off my high horse, but I, I just really want you to be on a heartworm preventative. It is so safe, too. It has ivermectin in it. Oh, yeah. She's probably outdoors yeah. getting bit by yeah. mosquitoes. But yeah. we have a lot, a lot of heartworm disease here in Connecticut, too. Yeah. So I just yeah. want you to know about that as well. So thank you for bringing this to light. I was going I, to discuss. I'm happy to be back too. Thank you so much, Ellie. Appreciate it. Bye bye now. Yeah, she was, uh, that was really.
She was very sweet. I think that um, I was going to put that on my list of things to talk about, especially for new pet owners. But with with um, the fact that, you know, heartworm disease is an issue. And because of that, we need to make sure that we stay on. Um, we prevent. A, it's a preventable disease. That's the whole idea. Just like rabies. If you get make sure your pets get rabies vaccines, this is preventable. Oh, I hear some noise. That must be Ed. Hi, Ed. Hi. <laughs> How are you? Good. Welcome to Pet Talk. Uh, what, I, what I wanted to, to ask about is our four-year-old lab, female lab, uh, developed anal gland uh, leakage and odor when she was about three years old. Mm-hmm. The vet, our vet, suggested changing the protein source in her food to mm-hmm. fish, which seemed to solve it. Okay. She has the least little piece of chicken, beef, liver, any meat source other than or food, she'll have a reaction that same day. That oh, night. wow. Wow. What, you have any insight into that? Well, I think the whole idea is um, food allergy. And when pe- we talk about food allergies, um, it's the, it usually is the protein source. It could be the carbohydrate, but usually it is the protein. So the fact that you switched over to a fish is usually, um, that's the first choice that I will have for, for people that may not want to go on a prescription food. But food allergy tends to affect certain areas of the body of the dog, their ears, their face, their intestine, and their anal area. And um, what Ed is talking about with anal sacs, anal sacs in the dog and cat, cat cats have them as well. They, they are equivalent to the scent glands of a skunk. And they are, their job is to every time they have, that's kind of what gives them their own individual scent. You know, when dogs meet each other in the park, they sniff under each other's tails. That's the odor that they're, they're, they're picking up on. So, yeah, I mean, if we are allergic to certain proteins and, then, and it affects the anal area and the anal area gets um, inflamed, the anal sacs get inflamed, and sometimes they will just kind of relax and it's a tiny amount that can smell really, really bad. Does she lick underneath her tail after she's released them? Oh, yes. Yeah. She'll, she'll have a little seepage. Yeah. And yeah. It, yeah. And, and it's it's horrendous. It smells really bad. Yeah. <laughs> and we will, sometimes they need to be expressed. Um, sometimes that's, I don't know if your veterinarian did that as well. We've, we've had that a couple of times and they found very little. Little. Okay. But yeah. if, yeah. And, but it's usually the inflammation that's associated with them. I have many patients that also have infected anal sacs. Um, and so sometimes we have to put them on antibiotics. I have a handful over the years of clients that no medication took care of it, the problem, no diet change, no medication. And we've actually done an anal sacculectomy, which means we remove the anal sacs because they can live without them. Um, but I, that's just a rare, rare occasion when I have to do that. But if the food, if that food component worked for you and worked for your dog, I would definitely stay with it. Definitely, it, it does. I it just it was. It's confusing that it's almost any meat meat source now causes a reaction. Right. I, 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 that does not surprise me whatsoever. And that's why uh, we go with the fish. And you have to be careful with treats because even though the main ingredient may be um, a fish or a salmon. If the third ingredient is chicken or the, or beef, then right. it just doesn't make any sense to do that. But okay. the fish, fish and fish and potato diets are great for dogs. They do really quite well. Okay. Well, the the, the I guess the problem is in the training. Training. She's trained 
for agility competitions and oh. you know giving her a little piece of carrot is not motivating. It's not, <laughs> so, and and I guess having some salmon that doesn't tend to last as long. Right. Um, right. You know, the other thing is some of those unusual. Um, meats like duck, um, you know, the, I don't know if you want to, if you've ever tried that or, no. or rabbit, the, okay. you know, cause we do have a hierarchy. I mean, I can have, I have a list in my head right now where, you know, like the number one thing most dogs are beef allergic to is beef. That's the number one protein we see most oh. dogs allergic to. So you really want to stay away from beef. Then okay. we have chicken and um, you know, turkey can be up there. Lamb. Lamb was the hypoallergenic protein of the 80s. Well, n- no longer. So oh. I like your fish. I like your um, rabbit and um, uh, and duck are another option for you. Okay, we'll, we'll try that out. Yeah, good luck with you. Well, you're, <laughs> no sag. you're welcome. Thank you. Uh, bye-bye now. Bye. Yeah, the um, anal sacs, those can be horrendous. Um, and again, that odor, it doesn't take a lot. And sometimes you may not even see it, but it's a very specific smell. Um, they're bothered by it. Um, a sad note about anal sacs, um, I, I check them every time um, I have an exam on a dog. Some, it's also a source. Um, we, we do have certain cancers that start in the anal sac, so it's called a- um, anal sac adenocarcinoma. So the anal sacs, we know they're there as veterinarians, um, and many of you don't probably until you're in a situation like it is where there's a little bit of leakage or they're licking underneath their tail. Um, sometimes they'll even abscess and have quite the infection there. So it's an important part of their bodies. All right, we've got to take one more break. Uh, it's going to be a short break, and then we'll come back. I can probably answer a quick phone call if you give us a call. Um, and um, before you know it, it'll be 2 o'clock. We'll be right back with more Pet Talk. Welcome back. You're listening to the final 10 minutes of Pet Talk. I'm Dr. Andrea Dennis from the Bloomfield Animal Hospital. I would have time for a quick call or two, so I'm just going to give the phone numbers one last time, and that'll be 860-522-9842. We have an open phone line, or 1-800-966-9842. I am... Just um, actually, I have something to do this afternoon because normally I would stay around to take a call that if we couldn't complete it on the air. Uh, but I have an outdoors event that I need to attend. But if you have a question and you're either a little shy to come on the air, even though we're very kind and we'll protect you, Anthony's also very good with you. You can always send me an email at Bloomfield Animal Hospital CT dot com. Uh, we can, we have a great staff that will uh, forward those emails to me in the office, and we're happy to help. We're happy to educate. We also, at that our website, uh, there's a lot of good information from what do you do when your, your dog has been skunked? What's the recipe to put the, on them? It's no longer tomato juice. That's far gone. But uh, we've got a lot of good medical information and practical information on our website. Today so far, we've talked about heartworm disease. Um, Ellie was really very informative. It's a serious problem. And then um, Ed was talking about um, his his dog and anal sacs and, and allergies. 
August, which is just around the corner, like tomorrow, August is Allergy Awareness Month. So I do plan to talk about dog allergies, cat allergies in specific specifically, and talk about the, where we have come in veterinary medicine, some of the old things we used to do, and what, how much we've got really great medications that can really change the quality of life for your pets, um, and as well as, um, you know, for, for you too, because some of you have these dogs that are actually scratching, and they're in the middle of the night, they're licking their paws, and so it's something that is um, really a problem, uh, but it should be managed. And some people say, well, they're just itching. And you just can imagine if you put yourself in your pet's place and you're scratching at your ears and you're um, really bothered by it, it can be quite um, quite an issue. So um, please tune in. I'll be back in two weeks uh, and, to, and we're going to start talking about allergies here. Speaking of that, what I'm going to do is um, I think Scott needs a little help here. Scott, you're looking for a feline specialist huh yeah but unfortunately um, i'm out of work right now and i don't make a lot of money so i was trying to see any suggestions on where i could get some assistance Mm -hmm. uh, to try to have my cat seen okay um the thing the humane society um has a clinic in newington um that's what they were developed for and built for it's called fox memorial it's in so just look i that would be my first um area that i would look at um some of the other i should just give them a telephone call when they're open and explain my situation yes let them kind of yes there's that's exactly what they're there for um and i think that they've been there for about 15 20 years now and it's you're not the only person scott on and that's in this situation and i know it it's just horrendous right now um and because like i said she's due to get seen by the vet and there's a couple of small issues i wanted to have looked at probably that are going to incorporate x-rays and i know that that can be rather expensive sometimes it can, and um, what I would do is give them a call. Um, they have the capability of x-raying there. Um, also, there's a place in Springfield. There's also a humane society in Springfield that they do a great job. And, and again, there's a, an endowment to help for when we all – we all need help with this time with the, and to help each other. Um, so that's what they're there for, to help pay that okay. forward. So if not, just call me at the Bloomfield Animal Hospital, and I'll see if I can we'll, – we'll find you some help. Okay, I greatly appreciate the information you get. I love listening to your show. It's very informative. Thank you, Scott, and good luck. But you know, just keep me in, in, in mind, okay? Absolutely. You have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye now. Yeah, it's, um, you know, our kitty cats. Um, you know, I think, and if anybody knows of a um, sort of a, a shelter or a fund or anything like that, um, please feel free to call in now uh, to try to help. I mean, it is... Um, I mean, there's some vaccine clinics that you might find out there, some spay and neuter clinics too. But I think when someone, when a cat is sick and it requires testing, um, that's a little bit more of a of of a specialty. And and I, again, I think Fox Memorial would be really very very helpful right there in Newington. So we were talking um, about heat and heat exposure last time I was on the air. And that was, um, you know, it was hot. And I know there's a gorgeous day, 70 degrees. I want you to keep in mind that we still have to be careful. I still don't want you 
really bringing your pets in the cars. I saw something on the news yesterday about um, a pug that passed away because an owner left two pugs in the car while they were in the store. And it just breaks your heart. I mean, it really, your, your, your stomach twists. But even on a day like today, where it's 70 degrees outside, inside that car, and that sun is shining and beating on the car, it's already 100 degrees in your car after about 10, 15 minutes. If it's 80 degrees outside, then our cars are up to 120 degrees. 90 degrees, it easily goes up to 140 degrees. And again, there is just no reason for us to bring our pets in the car. They'll be, they're much better off at home. And if you do have, like those pugs that were on the news yesterday, they're part of what we call the brachycephalic breeds, that, that short head, that kind of um, pushed-in nose. Bulldogs have that look. Pekingese, and even Persian cats. That's another breed that you have to be careful. So both dogs and cats, we just have to make sure that um, we protect them, keep them safe. And if I think um, in the situation of, of the story, if I remember correctly, I think somebody called the police and the police had to break into the car and get the dogs. And unfortunately, one did not make it. Something avoidable, right? If we can just avoid it. So even a day like today, our cars are already 100 degrees if they're sitting out there in that sun. I just want to, since there's um, like about four minutes left, talking about another thing you can help take care of. And sometimes this is due to allergies and sometimes it's due to this time of year. How many of you have had to deal with ear infections in your dogs? Or in cats too. Cats get them as well. How do you know if they have an ear infection? We're seeing quite a bit of that where dogs are coming um, after, you know, they're at night, they're shaking their head or they're scratching. We'll see what they call hot spots behind the ears because they're scratching. And because we tend to um, bring our dogs and let them swim, that tends to promote ear infections. The other thing is allergies. So again, we'll be getting into that during the month of August uh, in terms of what can be done. Uh, sometimes if they're scratching at the ear, it's not all about an infection. It is about sometimes they can have tumors. Sometimes they can have um, what we call um, yeast problems in there. So sometimes there's polyps. So if your dog or cat is scratching at the ear, shaking their head, then please make an appointment to have your them seen by your veterinarian. Dogs that have floppy ears are a little bit more susceptible to getting these type of infections because, again, that flap just kind of covers up that the what we call the um, external ear canal. It's warm. It's dark. Yeast love it. Pseudomonas, staph, those are all the different organisms that can grow in there. And what also will happen if you've got a dog like, say, a basset hound and that have these long ears, these ears hang down, and when they shake their ears, they can get what we call an oral hematoma, which is a big blood blister. Sometimes they'll walk into my hospital and they're just kind of their head tilted to one side. And I can see it from a distance that they've got this oral hematoma. And most of the time you have to deal with the infection and you have to deal with the hematoma, which requires surgery. So make sure when your dog and your cats are talking to you, even though you may not see anything when you look in the ear, if they're flapping, scratching, please give your veterinarian a call. They have um, long, long ear canals. They have both an external and internal 
um, ear, they have a medial aspect or a middle ear infection. And if an infection from the outer ear goes internally, it can be wreak havoc on them. Uh, they can get what we call vestibular disease. It can be, lead to something extremely serious. And those of you that say, well, I'm cleaning the ears and I get a lot of stuff out, an ear cleaner is not effective in taking care of the infection itself. I know that a lot of ear cleaners you can get over the counter. You, people will just pour them in the ear and then wipe it out. It, I know that's what it says on the bottle. I'm just not a fan of that. I think some dogs don't really like that feeling. I tend to like to take a, the ear cleaners on a cotton ball and just kind of really make that cotton ball very moist and clean out the ear because some of that will drip down. But an ear, when you're getting this discharge, especially if it's yellowish or if it's reddish brown, that's not normal wax. That is something that's a big sign for an ear infection. And there's great medications. It just needs to be diagnosed, and you just want to try to take care of it. Well, I guess that's it for our veterinary edition. It was a pleasure being here. I want to thank Anthony for producing the show. I think I got the buttons all straight, Anthony. I'll be a good girl next time. <laughs> and it's been a pleasure. So we'll see you next time right here on Pet Talk WTIC. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.